sometimes obviously you have to have conversations, you know, with tenants that you may not want, you would rather not have, but you know, you have to put your big girl pants on and, you know, get the property manager attitude hat on and deal with it and deal with it in a professional, respectful manner. Welcome to the Invest Nest Real Estate Investing Show, a community for real estate investors to learn, network, and grow. Be sure to join the investnest.com and start learning and earning today. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Travis Murphy, your host of the Invest Nest Real Estate Investing Show. We've got another great invest guest joining us this week. Jacqueline Marshall with at Baywap Design on Instagram is going to share her real estate investing journey with us. And Jacqueline is an impressive woman. She does pretty much everything herself in real estate investing, and she wears many hats, but we're going to let her tell us about her story in just a minute. Before we start, if you're listening to the podcast, please hit the subscribe button and go leave us a review and rating. It really does help us out a lot. So if you're enjoying what, you know, if you're enjoying the podcast so far, uh, leaving a review and giving a positive rating is greatly appreciated. Also, if you like the content we're putting out, you can follow along on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Invest Nest. And of course, go check out theinvestnest.com. Uh, it's a free online community for real estate investors to network. You can go create a free profile. Uh, go check that out. And also, we have a lot of um, new features on the way with The Invest Nest website. So there's going to be a lot of stuff coming out very shortly. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that coming up soon on the show. All right. And now let's welcome our invest guest, Jacqueline Marshall. She is with at Baywap Design on Instagram. Jacqueline, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure meeting you. Likewise, likewise. Pleasure is all mine. So Jacqueline does it all. She's an absolute do-it-yourself investor. Jacqueline, it sounds like you do pretty much everything. Uh, the renovations, flips, uh, project management. It sounds like you're the property manager as well and even interior design. So that's, and that's somewhat unique, but why don't you tell us in your own words, if somebody asks you what, you know, what it is that you do with real estate investing, how would you explain it? The way I would explain it is, is that I had unknowingly entered into this whole new life and in investing, I had my own personal home uh, and I wanted to move out of the area uh, years ago, about six years ago, I put it up for sale. It didn't sell. And so I, contacted my realtor and said, well, I really want to move out of the area. So I'm going to rent this house. I'm going to buy another one. And that's what I did. And after living in that house for a year, I was like, well, I'm having good luck with renting out a house. It doesn't seem to be the horror show that, you know, you hear, but I was having good luck with the tenant. So I thought, well, I'm going to do this again. So I rented that house out, bought another house that had an income suite and i just kept doing this because i was having a positive experience and then after a while i had six rental properties and because i manage and i take care of it all of myself basically because i'm cheap and i don't want to pay anyone to do anything that i feel i can do but i do have a, a system where if there is something that i can't tackle or i do have somebody on standby that i can call i have a backup like i've sourced that out and i can call him and say hey this is something i can't deal with or i'm out of the country i'm on vacation but something came up with a tenant so i do have backup you know systems and i have all my bases covered i think when it comes to you know taking care of the tenants and the property so after six rentals i was like 
uh, each rental, you know, I was always doing things to clean it up, fix it up, whether for myself or because I was going to rent it out and I was enjoying this. And then someone said, well, why don't you try flipping a house? So I was like, okay. And I started off with something small, something I call like a lipstick flip. So this was because I had never done it before. And so to get my feet wet, I just took on a project that basically needed like, just let's take out this 30 year old carpet. Um, let's get rid of the, you know, creamsicle colored pink, orange walls and, you know, and do it that way. The kitchen needed to be updated, but I ended up refinishing them. I didn't rip it out, uh, just painted it in a nice, you know, current modern color and put new uh, tile in and things like that. So I, to me, that's a lipstick flip. So after doing this, you know, for a number of times, I started doing that about three to four years ago. So from, I've graduated from that to what I'm currently working on, which is the Wellington project. Now the Wellington project, that house was uninhabitable when I purchased it. Um, the front windows were being held together by duct tape it, it was uninhabitable. They had the house had people living in it, but it, it was I wouldn't have let my own dog live there. That's how bad it was. But uh, so to go from the graduating from the lipstick flip to where I am now, yeah, it, I had to replace all the windows, new back roof because the back roof had nine layers of shingles on it. So that's not code by no means. And uh, yeah, just ripped it out. You know, a lot of the rooms to the studs, I had to redo it. Um, new wiring, new plumbing. And uh, so, yeah, I just graduated in, into this kind of level of project. And I think if I had started out, my advice to anyone is if you don't have a background or project management um, background or any experience, start off slow, take your experience with a small one and snowball that in and graduate to bigger projects. And you know, it's funny, a lot of people that do investing in real estate investing, we're always looking at ways to save. So I think the part that you just said about, uh, you know, not wanting to spend money, so you do as much as you can, there's probably a lot of listeners out there that can relate to that. But it sounds like you're taking it to a, another level, which is interesting, and I want to get into it. But first, it sounds like you almost accidentally like stumbled into real estate investing. So you didn't really have like this, all of a sudden epiphany or mindset shift and say, I'm going to go out and do this. It just by chance happened where you wanted to move out of where you're living. You didn't have a need to sell. So you yep. said, I'll hang on to this and rent it out. And things were going well. It wasn't well. selling. So oh, and I okay. was getting frustrated. And I really wanted to move out of the area. And at a frustration, I was like, basically like, screw this. Let's just rent it. And I'm going to go buy another house so I can get away from this neighborhood. Um, so well, that's good. I mean, that's you pivoted. You know, you didn't get stuck and wait and complain, you, you said, let me find an alternative solution to this. So that's yeah. great. And, and it obviously has worked out well. And mm -hmm. from there, you went and decided to do it again. So I guess that's just because you were, like you said, having success, you got a little taste for cash flow. And you, like you said, your tenants were, were uh, cooperative, oh. and you yeah. know, not providing any issues for you. So yeah, why not? Why not do it and start to scale? So you went from your first to your second up to six door. Is it all single family? Do you have multifamily in your What's your portfolio family. Like? Uh, multifamily is not something that I have felt comfortable or confident enough to take on, but I've been in this now going, like I've been a landlady for six years. And so I've definitely built up my skill set 
I mean, my tenant, I've had a positive experience, but sometimes obviously you have to have conversations, you know, with tenants that you may not want, you would rather not have, but, you know, you have to put your big girl pants on and, you know, get the property manager attitude hat on and deal with it and deal with it in a professional, respectful manner. And so that was a learning curve for me because I'm very, uh, I don't like confrontation. So I hate having to call people and go, we have to talk. <laughs> I, I hate that. I hate that. And uh, so that was very uh, intimidating for me, but I've gotten over all of that. And I've got that skill set now where I know how to talk and deal with people. And I also have resources that I can contact and say, I have this situation. How would you handle it? So I have those systems in play you know, for just for backup and to bounce how I should handle a situation or have how a, a conversation should play out with a tenant as well. So that's all very been built my confidence and, you know, very encouraging. So I've gone at a very slow pace with all of this. It, it yeah. hasn't been a race for me, you know, so I've, I've well, gone that's, very I mean, slow. that's cool. I mean, and I think what you just said about, you know, being non-confrontational and having to get experience with dealing with tenants. I mean, that's not for everyone, you know, and you found you found what worked for you and that was taking your time and just building up that confidence the more you did it. But cheap to have a property manager person. So I had to, you know, it was like, okay, you need to learn how to do this because you are not paying someone to do this, have this conversation. You know, you're a grown ass woman and these are adults. So let's just respectfully learn how to come together and deal with this. Yeah, I mean, and that's good. You know yourself, you know what, you know, you know what your priorities are and, and the bottom line is your priority. And, you know, I was going to say some people aren't as willing, I guess, or are okay with, you know, outsourcing the management. And that's okay too. It's really about yourself and what works for you, knowing your goals and what you're, you know, willing to sacrifice, I guess, in order to accomplish your goals. So, I mean, just not just with the property management, it sounds like every step of the way you've kind of learned and grown and developed and realized that you're able to do all of these things. Now, you may have learned and realized that out of necessity because you didn't want to pay anybody, but regardless, at the end of the day, you now have all these, you know, all these different abilities and you're able to pretty much run your entire operation. So I want to go through kind of, first, let's just reset. So you've got six doors, all single families, Right. And then at some point you started um, flipping, I guess, to generate uh, yeah. transactional income, kind of help, I guess, fund your life and fund your your investing. Yeah. OK. About how long have you been flipping? Uh, between three and four years. OK. And so I, I would guess. But you tell us just like when you started buying the rental properties and managing them yourself, are you taking on you, you're taking on these these renovation projects by yourself as well? One hundred percent. I I live in my flips as well because I'm cheap. <laughs> uh, also, uh, with each flip, you know, the as they progressively got harder and harder, I'm acquiring tools as well. These tools are not cheap, and these tools are left overnight in these homes. And I want to be there, basically, to be the the pit bull guard dog. I guess. Yeah, Jacqueline, real but, quick, uh, I don't mean I don't mean to interrupt you, but can I can I hire you? Are, like, are you like available? Because like I need I need like three or four of you on my team if that's possible. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean that that's that's impressive. I mean you're 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 getting it done, you know. And 
for a lot of people that don't make excuses, but find reasons that they can't do something or why it's not going to work. I mean, you're, you're the complete opposite of that. You know, you're evidence that if you have a goal and you're willing to put in the work and the effort, you know, you can get it done. So you're living in your flips and you started with your lipstick flips. You know, I kind of refer to those as, you know, just cosmetic rehabs or whatever. Um, you know, you're just pretty much flooring, paint, fixtures, stuff like that. And that um, can make a huge difference, a huge oh, yeah. difference right there, just upgrading something and, you know, yeah. yeah and and, but it's evolved, upgrade. but it's evolved now, like you said, to the, the Wellington project where you're pretty much doing a full gut rehab. Yes, uh, this house has required, it, it has plaster. And because of the last two flips that I've done, I've uh, learned how to repair and uh, small plaster, you know, uh, do plaster repair, which is a skill set in itself. And so with that, that house, you know, I transition and I take that skill set now into this house and this house, all the ceilings, which are plaster, they all need it repairing. They all need to be redone the walls and everything like that. So, uh, it didn't, it didn't seem so scary or overwhelming because I'd already had that skill set and experience from the previous two flips, which were plaster walls, took that and rolled it into this one and you fix it up. And that in and of itself is just a huge value add on to the property, just repairing the plaster walls and things like that. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times you can get away with just deferred maintenance will make a big difference, but like you said, the, putting a lipstick on things a lot of the time, I mean, it, it, it's a huge, it can be a huge value add. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I I've seen what you're doing on Instagram and I mean, you're, you're in there getting it done. I love the way you're documenting it, you know, everything that you're doing, right. but I mean, it's, 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 you know, it's trial by fire. You know, that's how, that's how you learn. I mean, you, 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 you're not going to, you can learn as so much through re reading and educating yourself. But at some point, you know, I talk about it all the time on the show, you got to get in and just start doing it, you know, cause there's going to be things that you learn that you're not going to read out of a book. Well, and, not uh, the, the, the skill set or the experience or the DIY background, you can't be using that as an excuse not to take something on to keep your budget down here, as opposed to here. You know, you have to ta tackle it on and start with a lipstick flip and just gain that confidence, gain that experience. And then, yeah, like I said, snowball that into the next one that might need more work, more work and learn that skill set. Because now you're not spending the time to learn this skill set that you learned on the last one, you know, and you build on that and you build on it and what tools to use and who you can go to if you do run into some trouble. You know, you have to have your your systems in play for everything. So, yeah, I mean, and that, like you said earlier, snowball, right? You don't you, yeah. your first one. You didn't dive into a full renovation project. You started with something small that was mostly mm -hmm. cosmetic, and and then you kind of scaled up from there. And that's perfect because you're able to learn and gain experience as you go, and not get overwhelmed in the process. Yeah, if I had started off with this, and if I had bought this house with the idea of this was my first or second flip. Um, I would have been like, oh my God, this is flipping. I would have ran for the hills. I think I would have just thrown a towel in. I would have cried. I would have just, yeah, it, it wouldn't have worked out. It wouldn't, it would not, have, it would have been too overwhelming for me. So, well, that's, I'm I mean, that's, I that, that's good perspective because, you know, for all the talk that we hear in real, in the real estate investing community, community about taking action and, and not having that limited belief and, and believing in yourself and taking on these challenges. You also have to be realistic. So you you don't want to just get in over your head and into something that you don't have the experience or 
have the network in place or have the the budget allocated to outsource it because you can get yourself into trouble, not just overwhelmed, but in financial trouble if you don't have certain things budgeted right. Or if it's, so you've got to do your due diligence with everything, and that includes doing your due diligence of taking inventory of what of yourself, you know, how do you handle stress? How do you handle, how do you troubleshoot? What, like, do you have meltdowns and you're not, you're not capable of working for three days because you're so upset? Like, can you, do you pick yourself? So you have to take inventory of yourself and what you're bringing into this project too, because there are going to be days uh, with a flip or, you know, whether you're burying something, um, you know, you're going to, you're, you have to take inventory of yourself and know what you're capable of and how you handle you know, roadblocks and whether it's financial or how do you deal with contractors if you're hiring them, you have to have all of that. So you have to do your due diligence with every aspect, every aspect of this. And that's yourself too. Yeah, definitely. Good, good advice. So, all right. So you've got your, your existing rental portfolio, you're flipping for cash. What is it? Where are you, where are you going from here? What are you after at this point? Are you, are you looking to add to your portfolio? Or are you focusing more on your flips at this point? Uh, so when I started flipping, I wanted to stay at a certain price point because I felt that the resale price point, it was always uh, $300,000 or less. And I kept it to that because I felt that resale point was doable um, for a lot of, uh, you know, one, a single income person or, um two people working or whatever and that way i wouldn't get stuck with this it wouldn't take a long time to resell i wouldn't be holding on to it for very long as opposed to um if i got into a five six hundred thousand dollar resale house now i have less buyers there's not as many people out there that this was my thinking anyhow um it it may not be accurate i would have to fact check it but uh i get multiple offers on every house that i put up for sale and they sell quickly. They sell within a week or two. And I'm very happy about that. And I have uh, short-term closing. Um, but I do want to evolve, like, what are my future goals for this? I want to uh, enter into, like, storage um, storage locking uh, facilities. I'd like to look into that uh, in the next year. I've been talking to my real estate agent about that just to get educated about that. I've sourced out some books, some podcasts. I found some Instagram uh, accounts that deal with that. So I've reached out to them as well and just really educate myself. And I also have a storage locker too in Windsor where I store everything and uh, throw my stuff. And I've been talking to the owner as well, thinking like, you know, I've been thinking about doing this. So I've been getting some, so I'm doing my due diligence that way. I don't rush into anything. That's been my style with everything in my life. Um, but, um, so yeah, the storage, and I also want to get into more high-end flips, uh, more high-end flips. Uh, I've put in, uh, certain features with my flips that I've done to date. And a lot of people don't even know what they are, like the type of seller that's coming in to look at them. They're not at that. I don't know how to word it. Um, they don't recognize some of the features. Like I put in a pot filler um faucet you know over the oven in the last flip and the majority of the people didn't even know what that was or why would i do that uh some of the agents that came through the house they didn't even know they were just like oh that's something that you do in a restaurant 
Well, no, it's not. <laughs> like very high-end homes have these features. And so I'd like to get into a market where people recognize, appreciate, they want that. Oh, you don't have a pot filler here? I'm not interested in buying. Like that's kind of market I want to get into. Yeah. And I mean, I want to backtrack for just a minute uh, because we kind of glossed over, I glossed over the fact that not only are you, you know, property managing, doing the renovations, project managing, but you also like I've seen your finished work. You're like an interior designer as well. So you're putting a lot of not thought. Officially. I, I'm, I'm giving myself that hat. That's okay. I've seen what you're doing. I mean, you give yourself that title. I mean, but that is what I think makes a big difference because you're not just doing something and getting it done and getting on the market. You're thinking through the, the finished product. And that's probably attributing to why, or at least helping contribute to why your properties are selling so quick. So, I mean, when you say you wear a lot of hats, you're not kidding. That's, that's, that's full tilt. So when you're, when you're doing the project management, I just wanted to ask you too, now that you're doing this full gut, um, and I know I, I'm, I'm perhaps getting out of order here, but you were doing, or you are doing a lot of the work, actual work yourself, but on like that full gut renovation, are you also project managing other subs and trades like electrical plumbing? Or are you doing all that stuff too? No, no, no. Uh, due to my, like, I have a commercial insurance policy uh, for all my rentals and uh, also my insurance policy and my accountant. They know that when I buy this house, I'm buying it with the intent of income. So my insurance policy reflects that. They know that I'm not, you know, buying it to hold on to it or rent it or, or anything like that. So the type of insurance policy I have when I do, um, and I'm doing extensive rewiring of a house, I have to prove to them that I have a licensed bondable tradesperson doing that. Um, there's a lot of risk there because if it's not done right, the house is going to burn down, God forbid. So, but if it burnt down after I hired a, a tradesperson, well, that's a different, you know, a different bag of nails, I guess. Like it's just, it's going to be handled differently. Yeah. And, that, and that's what I was looking for clarification. So like when you're talking about those lipstick flips, you're doing a lot of the actual sweat equity, the work yourself. But well, these, they didn't need electrical rewiring. Work. They don't need plumbing. Uh, and, it, and they don't need any of that. The, the houses where I'm bringing in an electrician, they have knob and tool. Mm -hmm. They have existing knob and tool, which which is uh, out of date. You know, it's not you can't get reinsured. And the only reason why I get the insurance is, is because one, I there's no mortgage on the house. I buy my flips in cash, uh, just so that I can have a clean offer and beat up the competition too on on a house. So I do that for a lot of reasons. But there's no mortgage on the house, which helps me get insured. Even though, and they know that I'm buying it to flip it. They know that I'm going to be addressing that like immediately, and it's not going to be an ongoing thing. So yeah. that helps with uh, me getting insurance on something that has not been tool or a boiler or outdated things that an insurance but, company. But when it comes to those more involved renovations, the, you, you're outsourcing yeah. these certain trades, which, but that's still though, you're like a general contractor at that point. So you're project managing, you're, I'm yeah. sure doing a lot of the work that you can do still, mm -hmm. but I just wanted to point that out. So as you grew from your lipstick flips to now full gut renovations, you went from doing all the work that you could do on the, on the renovation, on the, uh, and we all work together in the house at the same time. Cause like when yeah. they're working, I'm working. So we're all yeah. there. <laughs> well, it's good because you're project managing as well. You got to keep an eye on them. <laughs> well, it works out well because I mean, if I wasn't doing the work myself, I mean, it gives me an excuse to be in the house because they know they, my team, I use the same people from house to house to house. Uh, I don't uh, swap it out, but um, 
you know, so I might be in outside working on something there on the inside. So they know that I'm not being there, um, shadowing them and keeping it like, uh, micromanaging them and being a nosy homeowner. But, but you like, really are though, but you really, disguise, <laughs> disguise as a, as so I've got the work. perfect cover up, you know, I've got the perfect disguise. I go, yeah, I'm just DIYing over here in the bathroom. Don't mind me. <laughs> taking, you know? taking selfies for your Instagram page, but you're really like recording them in the background. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's great. That's great. That's funny. So one of the one aspect of this that we didn't talk about, or I didn't ask you about, but you did just bring up was funding these. And so it sounds like you're doing a lot of your projects cash. Are you doing that? Do you have any partners? Are you doing private money? Or is it just all you in this operation? No, it's all me. Uh, I deal with a big bank, uh, CIBC. I have been with them since I was I have a very I, I've had good luck with getting my funding for my rentals. So my rentals do have a mortgage on them uh because that's you know you want your tenants to pay off the mortgage you know i don't want that coming out of my pocket uh also at that time when i was getting those mortgages for the rental i had a full-time job working as a dental hygienist and my great credit and all of these things and i have a very 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 long uh relationship with my bank they know me they know who i am and uh, i do what i say i'm going to do i've proven myself to that bank, which is CIBC. And um, so when I graduated to this and I walked away from being a dental hygienist and I'm doing the flipping now because you, I had to be hands-on 100% on board with that. Um, I was fortunate enough that I had the money, you know, to buy it um, in cash, uh, gives me a clean offer. It gives me a competitive edge against, uh, because I'm not the only flipper out there. You know, when these, th when these things come up, you know, I've got a lot of a competition, you know, and I'm not, and uh, so that just gives me a clean offer. So I, that's how I did it right as well. I just set myself up and, um, and I never go over a price point. I have my budget. This is how much I'm going to spend on a house. I'm not going a penny over that. And I've been lucky that I've been able to stick to that so far and my budget too. So, yeah. Yeah, no, that's good. You definitely have all of your bases covered. I mean, that, this, this is a, you're, you're a shining example of, you know, people that want to get into real estate investing and maybe not exactly sure if they can do it because they haven't done some things before. Well, like you said, at the beginning of this interview, it starts with yourself, you know, look inward, get, have perspective and understand what you think you're capable of and not capable of what you're willing to do in order to accomplish your goals and, you know, what you don't feel comfortable with doing. I think I have a slower mindset, how I approach this too. For me, I've noticed like a lot of people, other investors, they, they have that goal, like, oh, I'm going to acquire all of these doors within one year. And I never start off. I never started down this path with that mindset. I, and then even now that I'm into it six, about six years and I do what I do, I still don't have that, like it's a race and I, I'm going, I just, I take something on and I want to do it right. Like what's in front of me, I do it, I do it right. And then I get on to the next project. And, uh, cause I've seen a lot, it seems, I get the perception that a lot of people, investors, they feel like that if they can't take all of this on this year, then they're not being successful. They're not doing something right. And for me, um, slow and steady has won the race for me and me being successful. And I think I am being successful because I've been doing this for six years. I have a good, um, landlady, you know, uh, relationship and that part of the business. I'm successful with that. 
And just with the flipping too, I make a good living. You know, I've walked away from making $43 an hour as a dental hygienist full time, I walked away from that and, you know, it's, I'm making what I'm making. So I, I feel like I'm successful. So very good. Very good. And I think that just like you said, the slow and steady, but also the fact that you're so focused is mm -hmm. what I see as a, as a huge strength. Okay. So can you take us through one of your projects? Can you give us an example of, since you have all these different hats that you're wearing, can you take us through a, an example of one of your projects that would kind of pull all these different things that you're doing together in order to be successful? Well, the Wellington project, uh, that's the one I'm working on now. And I name my things now that now that I have a social media account, I, I tag it that way, hashtag it that way. So the Wellington project. So when I walk up to a house, I may have seen six houses that day, you know, so why did I buy or put an offer on that house and not the other five houses that I saw that day with my agent. And it's because when I walk in, I'm very quickly within five minutes, I'm able to assess I've got to hire this out. I've got to hire this out. I've got to hire that out. And that starts adding up. If I got to hire people to do stuff, that's taking, that's my budget's gone now. And so I can't put an offer on that house. So when I walk into a house and I see like, okay, I can do all of this, but the electrical and the, the plumbing, I know who I'm going to hire out for that. I know what their quote is going to be. I, I, I'm familiar with them. And to the point where when this Wellington project, when I walked in and I assessed the amount of um, electrical work, I even said to Ashley, my agent, I said, I bet you any money, my electrician, when he comes here, he's going to give me a quote for $1,500 because it didn't uh, need to be rewired the whole house as opposed to the other one. And that was a $7,000 job. Um, but I said, I bet he's going to come in at $1,500 and he came in at 1533. So that's how well I'm able to assess, uh, you know, and estimate everything. And when I'm able to do that, um, I go, okay, so the people I'm hiring, this is how much it's going to take away from my budget that leaves this much left in the budget for me to do what I have to do. Can I do that reasonably? And I have, so. And then I just hire them in. I've got everything set up. And um, so from the time that my offer, I don't know if you're interested in this, but this is how organized I am. I hit the ground running. Um, so I, my offer is accepted. You know, the closing date is going to be like two or four weeks, you know, away, right? So in between that time, I get back into the house. I make all the measurements. Uh, I know how much flooring I need. I go out and source that. I, I, so with the day I get the keys from the lawyer, I'm literally all set up with everything. And within the hour of having that, uh, that key, I'm already on my first dump run to the, in my truck to the dump. I, I'm ripping everything out. I've got all my lighting fixtures. I've got all my flooring. I've got my pails of paint. I've got all. My, I've got everything set up, and I've got all my appointments set up with my plumber and my electrician to come in either the day I close, I get the key, or two or three days afterwards because I need them to come in, you know, confirm their estimate on what it's going to cost me. And then I need to set up a date for them to come in and I have it all structured because when they're there, they're making a mess and I don't want to be working on this room when they need to be in that room. So it's all very, 
time managed and structured so that no one's walking over each other and it's all set up so that their work is done so that I can move forward with what I yeah. can do. So that's part of the project management aspect. I mean, that's scheduling and coordinating and keeping scheduling. everything. That's what I was trying to keep yeah, everything, keeping <laughs> everything scheduled, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's critical. And that's, I think that again, contributes to why you are finding su such success. So where are you at in that? What, what stage of the project are you at? I, this week, uh, so there were some delays with the window install. Um, so I, again, with I know that windows take a long, long time, even under the best of circumstances, even without COVID in the picture. I know windows from experience with my dad and stuff um, that that can take a long time. So I actually, the day that I went and looked at the house to put an offer on it, I had um, Frank, uh, the general contractor that I use for stuff like that. I had him there. So I hadn't even put an offer on the house. And um, once I, my offer got accepted, um, I said, okay, you, you have the measurements for the windows. I, my offer got accepted. I am getting the house. We're closing here. So I had those windows ordered a week and a half before I even closed on the house. Yeah. So I had everything, I had everything done and set up. Like that's how shout out to Frank. He he's out there giving you a hand, making sure them <laughs> windows get watered. And that's right. <laughs> but Frank ran into some trouble, you know. He uh, the windows did finally arrive, and then his wife went into labor with uh, their baby girl, and he had a heart attack while his wife was delivering the babies. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I have I hope he's it. okay. Is, is Frank the one? No, everyone's okay. Everyone's okay. okay. Good, but good. there was a there was a, a a very he had a very reasonable excuse for not showing up to do the windows. And I'd say so. Did you did you make him bring you like a doctor's report just to verify? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> no, this man is so 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 honest. Uh, uh, yeah. No, his integrity, his honesty is just. Yeah. No, that's great. And that's a, that's a critical component too. surrounding yourself with good people. You know, you can't as much as even as much as you're doing on your own, you can't do everything on your on your by yourself. You do need a good team. You know, and like you said, you have you have you have people that you can call and things that you can outsource, which I like. We didn't even talk about that. But, you know, you have your own system and then you even have a fail, a fail safe system to where if you're out of town or you can't be there, you've got a backup in place already so that, you know, things can keep moving forward. All right, ton of good stuff. Like an emotional backup service too. Like I said, um, you know, when I have to deal with a tenant and I'm not sure, like, you know, because I want to do everything on the up and up, like according to like how the landlord tenant association would deal with things, you know, there's code, there's systems in place and you don't want to, I don't want to find myself in hot water because I said something incorrectly to a tenant and then they call the landlord tenant association. So, you know, I have those resources and also my agent, uh, he is a, an excellent uh, resource for that. Like he's my emotional resource and intellectual uh, resource. So I, I think it's important to have those people and experienced uh, people who are very knowledgeable with this and know what they're talking about so that you have like have that set up too, like people that you can reach out to who yeah. are knowledgeable. Yeah, and whatever whatever you want to call them, whether, you know, some people call that person an accountability partner or just, yeah. it's really somebody within your network. And like, I, I talk about this all the time, put a lot of emphasis on it, whether it's through Instagram, through the Invest Nest, or just your local meetup group, you know, networking with other people, it, has, it means a lot to have somebody else there that you can lean on that has experience or maybe even doesn't have experience, but just the fact that you can kind of bounce what you're 
wanting to do or your maybe your reservations off of them to find some some either some confidence in what you're looking to do or maybe some feedback that would make you think about think twice about it so i mean it's huge you know you do it do as much as you can on, on your own like you're like you're talking about but having these other people as part of your life and as part of your investing journey it is critical to success and it can really just it can really help out a lot. I mean, it can help. It's not about just, oh, I got financing and I found a property. There's so much more to it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, and now it's time for our segment, Advice from our Invest Guests. And this is the 2021 version. Everybody's looking for, you know, new year, new goals, new mindset. So for the year 2021, all the investors out there that are all the listeners out there that want to become investors but haven't started yet, what is one thing that you they can do right now, an actionable item that you could give them some advice on to get to help them get started? Uh, I would say don't ignore or procrastinate on the knowledge or the skill sets that you need to be successful, to start on this, to continue down on this path. Because if you ignore that uh, or don't build the right team or the right knowledge, that's going to end up being a huge liability for you, I think. Yeah, good advice. No, very, very good. Okay, number two. Now that you've gotten this far into your investing journey, what's one thing that you could recommend to other people that they may want to avoid that, you know, if you were to go back and do it again, you might do differently? I don't know. I mean, I hate to say it, but I've had, knock on wood, I, I've had a good experience just because of how I've, the, the speed that I, and the approach and the mindset that I've had. I don't know, um, but probably one thing I regret, uh, I passed on an amazing, an amazing investment property uh, years ago. Uh, it was a fiveplex. And I chickened out because I was like, oh my God, I don't think I can, I can inherit five tenants right now at once. I don't know how to deal with that. And so my lack of experience and knowledge on how to deal with tenants and property managing, uh, it held me back. And I wish that it hadn't. I wish I had had the foresight, like just thought like, you know what, you're going to have systems in play to help you, you know, and lean on and, you know, and I, but I didn't think that way back then, but. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, something yeah. like that though, like, that's a great answer. One, you know, you're confident in the way that you have approached this. So you, there's not much you would do different and there's nothing wrong with that, but to put emphasis on what you just said about missing out on that great opportunity, you know, you wouldn't realize that you missed out on it if you don't have the experience that you have right now. So that was part of the process. You know, that's part of the journey. So looking forward, you know, if you come across another opportunity, you learn from that. And, you know, you that's mm -hmm. in, that's kind of part of your makeup now so that you're not going to miss that next opportunity. Oh, I, could, I, I could take it on now. I could take a test. Well, yeah. And that's the thing. <laughs> like you wouldn't know, you don't realize that until it's after the fact. So I don't look at that as you know, that that's basically part of just your experience building, you know, and, and, and confidence building. So good stuff there. I think, I mean, that's a great takeaway. Okay. Number three, uh, what's one book recommendation or any, any resource for, a, a you know, a newbie that's out there wanting to get started and wants to learn a little bit more about how, your approach on real estate investing. Um, so some books, I, I did get some books at Christmas time. I have not read them yet. Uh, I got, uh, it was one, uh, Never Split the Difference and The Rich Dad, Poor Dad, because I've been hearing 
those titles dropped so frequently and so much on social media. So I thought, oh, I should probably pick those books up. So Santa brought those books for me. Uh, and I'm going to eventually get around, find the time to do that. Very cool. Uh, read them. So I, I, I mean, they're mentioned a lot for a reason. So I'm sure that they're very good, but I'll have to get back to you on that. Sure. Um, well, when we, have, when we have you back on the show in the future to check in again, you can let there us you know. Go. I'll, I'll give you the Cole's notes on it. I'll there give you, you the Cole's notes. There you go. Uh, the takeaways, the good takeaways from those books. Uh, one book that came out not too long ago uh, was um, The Only Woman in the Room. And that was very interesting. It's a compilation of, it's 20 chapters, 20 women, female and real estate investors who are sharing their experience. So that I found that very uh, enlightening and encouraging as a female investor. Uh, I was like, oh, like, you know, I found my people. There's like other women investors and this is, they're sharing their experiences and their approach. And, you know, so I found that really good. And uh, Crushing It by Gary Vee. I don't think that's really real estate in uh, content, but I found it really, uh, my takeaways from it were, uh, I found it very transferable to what I do, do so. Yeah, very cool. I'm hearing a lot of good things about The Only Woman in the Room. You know, I, I, I'm, getting, I'm getting that sense that it's a great, a great read for everybody. And, you know, you're right. Honestly, the, the Instagram, the, 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 the female real estate investing community on Instagram is amazing. You know, mm -hmm. so any listeners out there, you know, men or women, get on Instagram, go check it out. There's a huge community of real estate investors, and in particular, the women out there are just killing it. You know, and they're and they're networking, and they're, you know, they're 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 making things happen. So that's very good advice. I appreciate the, all those answers. I'm sure our, our listeners do as well. Uh, we're gonna get ready to wrap this up, but I did have uh, one extra question that I kind of wanted to throw in there, since. You know, you've provided a lot of good, I think, advice and inspiration, really, on all the different things that you do and how you were able to get where you are and find success. What would you tell just other people about, you know, getting to where you are and what it takes? And if they want to do it and accomplish what you, you're, you've done and what you're doing, like what's some advice you can give people out there right now that, you know, that might help them get there and achieve that goal? Um be prepared to make sacrifices make concessions um don't limit yourself to maybe where your hometown is you may have to entertain a, uh, a tertiary uh, market that's cheaper so maybe where you live like in toronto i could never have entered this those homes are like five six million dollar homes and I don't live in Toronto, but that's not, but if I did, and I was limiting myself to just going into that market, I could never have come up with a down payment or take on, on that. Um, but uh, just, and just being open-minded to tertiary markets. I used to be in Niagara Falls and I got outpriced there. And so to stay within my budget and what I'm comfortable spending right now, I had to move five hours away to a community that I don't know a soul. I have no networking. And that was about two years ago. So yeah, you have to make sacrifices. You have to make concessions. Don't be stuck. You know, don't have a, a linear tunnel vision, you know, be open to the opportunities that present themselves to you, whether they're micro or macro, like, you know, just be open to the opportunities wherever that may be and go with that. Yeah, very good stuff. If I can take anything away from this conversation, it's it's dedication and hard work. 
And I think I think <laughs> those two wine. lots of wine and coffee. Oh, well, yeah, we, we all we all have our our own self medication methods. Yeah. <laughs> but coffee and wine will get you there too. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, this has been a lot of fun. Um, how can our listeners out there connect with you if they want to learn more about you and what you're doing, or just reach out and have a conversation about real estate? Where can they get in touch? Uh, Instagram, Baywalk Design. Okay, that's at Baywap Design on Instagram. And I'm going to include that link down in the show notes below. So anybody out there listening that wants to uh, reach out to Jacqueline, uh, go check her out on Instagram. And, uh, I, you know, I, I do like the fact that you're documenting this journey on Instagram. Like we just talked about the community out there and how it can be helpful to all of us real estate investors to just see what other people are doing and, and kind of lean on each other and be able to reach out and have a conversation about real estate you know, it's, it's really cool. And the fact that you're putting yourself out there and putting your, um, you're documenting that journey, I think is an inspiration to a lot of people. I, I know it is for myself. So very yeah. impressed there. And, uh, I really, I really recommend all of our listeners to go check, check you out. Okay, um, yeah. Jacqueline, it's been a, a lot of fun. I, yeah, I thank, thank I thank you so much for joining me on the, on the podcast. I would love to have you come back sometime, you know, check in with us and give us an update on how you're doing, but, uh, Absolutely. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Hope you have a happy and successful 2021. I'm sure you will. Thank you. And uh, thanks for coming on. Likewise. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. My pleasure. And I also want to thank all of our listeners out there for joining us again this week. I hope you guys got a kick out of that conversation just like I did. Jacqueline really is an impressive uh, investor. She's doing pretty much everything herself and and documenting it all on Instagram. So if you if you're interested in learning more, I strongly suggest going to check out her page. It's a lot of good stuff on there. And again, that's at Baywap Design. And of course, hit the subscribe button. If you're listening to the podcast, leave us a review and rating. Go check out theinvestnest.com. Like I said, a lot of cool stuff coming out very soon on the website, a lot of upgrades to the website. Uh, but I'm going to talk more about that in, uh, in the future on upcoming shows. So stay tuned there. And uh, of course, we're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Invest Nest. So thanks again, everybody. I really appreciate you guys tuning in again this week. As always, I'm your host, Travis Murphy, and this is The Invest Nest Real Estate Investing Show. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us on The Invest Nest Real Estate Investing Show. Be sure to join TheInvestNest.com and start learning and earning today.